0: everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, and Patrick is off this week, as this is a Retro Wrestling Podcast Extra. It was supposed to be a normal episode, but Patrick has some big goings on this weekend, so I decided to do this episode all by myself. I'll do some news briefly, but then just get to the review of the original episode of Sunday Night Heat. The couple of news items I wanted to talk about that happened this week in the world of pro wrestling was NWA Power. Now, last week, Patrick really promoted this show because he went to the TV tapings and talked about how good they were. And it wasn't until the series actually debuted on YouTube that I realized Patrick was on something because it's a 60-minute show. It's Tuesday nights at 6.05 on YouTube, but then you can watch it. Anytime after that on demand. And it's also on Facebook. But it's an amazingly well put together show. David Lagana and Billy Corgan have put together a really, really tight wrestling show. Good editing. It's fast. It's quick. It doesn't feel like a commitment. It doesn't drag. There's lots of promos. The matches are quick, but they're decent. And I think it's got a lot of potential. I love the retro look. I love the retro graphic packages even the commercials are made in that old 1980s nwa style it's a really really good program so i suggest that you check it out on youtube tuesday nights or on demand the nwa i think it's i think it's something every wrestling fan would really enjoy uh, no matter what kind of wrestling you're into the other news item I wanted to talk about was Eric Bischoff being dismissed from the WWE only a few months into his job as executive producer of SmackDown and only a few episodes into the Fox deal of SmackDown airing on network television. I find this to be very strange, although i had read that Eric wasn't contributing much backstage, but he had moved his family to Stamford, Connecticut, so... I'm kind of confused as to why they would dismiss him. I mean, he must have thought this was a long-term deal. Eric must have done something to make somebody mad because now Bruce Pritchard is back in charge, uh, a man that has held this role many times before and is now running things on Friday night Smackdown. So, so Eric Bischoff will have lots to talk about on his podcast and his upcoming Starcast appearance as now Eric is free to, once again, go out and do StarCast. So we'll get the full story eventually, just not right now. One final thing before we move into the review of the first-ever WWF Heat was the Raw and SmackDown draft for 2019. And I thought that, really, I don't feel like the rosters have been shaken up, as they like to put it every year. I feel like that this year's draft... Kept a lot of the key players in place on the same show that they were on before. And the lower and mid-card guys moved around a little bit. But I'm not sensing uh, a major direction change on either show. It seems kind of more of the same. In fact, it might even make things worse not being able to just easily have talent go back and forth. Because you're depriving people of the potential matchups that you, you had on the table with the wild card rule. And now you're taking them away. So I'm not sure how that's going to all play out. But I wasn't too impressed with the results of the WWE draft for 2019. So let's talk about WWF, WWE, Sunday Night Heat. The B show that would basically be replaced by SmackDown. Which is why I wanted to review it because... The WWF was playing catch-up with the WCW because WCW had introduced Thunder in January of 1998. So, to have a secondary show on cable TV was something that the WWF was in need of to keep up with their competition. And, I mean, they still had Shotgun Saturday Night in syndication. They also had, I believe, Live Wire uh, on Saturday mornings... And so they had some other, they did have some other outlets to for wrestling, but it wasn't in a primetime showcase. So this was going to be Sunday nights on the USA Network, and it started on August 2nd, 1998. The show would be taped after Raw, the previous Raw from the week before. So basically, the Monday before this aired, so almost a week old, but it would entice fans to stick around after Raw went off the air. So instead of 205 Live in 2019, where people just basically bail and they don't want to see the dark match, instead of having the dark match, you have Sunday Night Heat. And you actually, for a long time, got pretty good, pretty decent main events. I'm not going to say that they were pay-per-view quality or anything, but they were uh, supplementary to the Raw storylines, They continued storylines, and they also featured talent that, you know, you would expect to see on Raw. It wasn't like Thunder where the talent would not show up. So Sunday Night Heat was the blueprint, basically, for SmackDown. And once SmackDown arrived in August of 1999, Heat was pretty much just a recap show until actual nights of events But it did have a slight resurgence when it was on MTV because it was part of a great MTV Sunday night lineup for male viewers, including like Jackass, uh, Celebrity Deathmatch, and Sunday Night Heat. So I think actually that Sunday night block was what inspired MTV to create MTV2 as a male branded network. I mean, MTV2 was originally just music videos. And that was what it was for. But then they rebranded it. Oh, they want the men. Uh, Because there's not enough channels just for men. So, and not just for men hair gel. But, uh, you know, Spike TV would try this later on. Heat would be broadcast for another 10 years after it debuted. It went to MTV in 2000. It went to Spike TV in 2003. And then the final resting place of many WWE programs... WWE.com webcast from 2005 to 2008. But let's check out where it all started. Let's head back to August 2nd, 1998. This is when it debuted on the USA Network. The Sunday Night Heat theme plays, and I gotta say, Jim Johnston uh, not exactly uh, delivering a banger here. Uh, This one doesn't really slap. Is that what the kids say? Doesn't really bop. Uh, One of the <laughs> lamest themes. It doesn't really get you uh, excited for pro wrestling coming up next. I'd say the NWA power theme much, much better than the original Sunday Night Heat theme. Then we get massive pyro as we enter the arena. And Mr. McMahon comes out to booze. And he introduces the host and the star. We're getting a new star. A debuting star on Sunday Night Heat. Shane McMahon.
1: Allow me to introduce to you the host and the star of Sunday Night Heat, my very own son, Shane McMahon. Well, it's our first surprise on the premier broadcast of Sunday Night Heat, and there's the, the owner of the WWF son Shane McMahon. I'm Jim Ross alongside Jerry, the King Lawler, who's somewhat speechless. We were told we were doing this broadcast and uh, we're happier with us. Stone Cold Steve Austin is here and, and so are a couple of beautiful ladies. Well, they're headed our way, King. Hey, King. Well, folks, as we said, the Rattlesnake is here. He'll keep a close eye on the Big Tag Team Showdown. Between The Rock and Owen Hart as they battle pain and mankind. Stakes are high in that match. We'll tell you about that in the hour. The European top decided tonight. Ken Shamrock challenging G-Lo Brown. The X is here. And so is uh, Shane McMahon. King I guess we're being joined here by. Uh, we were told to uh, be here to uh, to work here on Sunday Night Heat what's going on? Well, it looks like we're being joined by Shane McMahon and a couple
0: of lovely ladies. Yes, Shane McMahon had been around the company for a while, but hadn't really developed a persona, so to speak. I mean, he was in the background of the Mike Tyson breakup. He was a ref at one point, but this was really introducing us to Shane McMahon, the Shane O'Mac that we would know and love still to this day, even though he's Unfortunately, been recently fired by Kevin Owens based on a match stipulation of someone grabbing a briefcase. So perhaps we'll never see him again. I doubt it. He'll probably be back in a couple of weeks, maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast. Jim Ross is ringside with Jerry the King Lawler, but King can't speak as Shane walks down with two ladies because there's ladies around and Jerry the King Lawler just freezes in the sight of ladies. Ladies. Shane sits down with the ladies as Edge's music plays. Shane's entrance, though, with the ladies kind of reminded me of when David Letterman came back from one of the heart attacks. I don't know if it was the first one or the second one, but he used to walk out on his late show with two ladies escorting him out. So this is, I guess, the idea that they came up with for Shane. I don't know how long this lasted because I didn't watch episode two. I didn't go back and watch it. I did watch it in 1998, I'm sure. So Shane sits down with the ladies at the desk, and Edge's music plays as Edge enters from the crowd. He's still Edge, the man that doesn't speak. And from our SmackDown review, that was probably a good idea. Now his name here, his lower third, is spelled capital E-D-G and a lowercase e. Now they would do this with all... The font used throughout the show to make it look like the Sunday Night Heat logo, which was also done the same way. And it is very... If you are the slightest bit OCD, which I didn't realize I was about the way lettering is and uh, uppercase, lowercase, it's very distracting. And this would go on throughout the night. They probably discontinued this, I'd say, quickly thereafter because it just it takes... Your attention is... Totally diverted. I don't know what it is about uppercase, lowercase words, <laughs> um, but it really bothered me for some reason. Tennessee Lee brings out Jeff Jarrett. So there's the answer to the trivia question. The first match on Sunday Night Heat was Jeff Jarrett and Edge, two future Hall of Famers. Double J pulls Edge jacket over his head to get the jump on him before the bell. Edge responds with a spear but doesn't bother covering him. Then Jarrett knocks him out of the ring. Double J hits the stroke for the very first time. Another trivia question as the announcers, Jim Ross and Shane McMahon, are very confused. Uh, That's a reverse Russian leg sweep. Then he hits a crossbody off the top rope, but Edge rolls through it. Jarrett responds with a DDT. One of the ladies with Shane was in the Playboy Lingerie magazine, which I guess is the O'Douls. ...of Playboy, the non-alcoholic version of Playboy. I guess there's no nudity in it. So anyway, Shane hands this lingerie magazine to Jerry the King Lawler. So Jerry the King Lawler not going to be calling any more of this match either. Edge hits two snap suplexes. And the edge which is the lifted DDT, gets a near fall. Edge knocks Double J to the outside. Tennessee Lee tries to give him a weapon... They get back into the ring. Edge whips Jarrett into the ropes. And despite looking nothing alike, wearing totally different tights and boots, Tennessee Lee trips the wrong man and Jeff Jarrett loses a match due to a trip. And Edge pins him and remains undefeated. Edge is on his Goldberg undefeated streak here in 1998. And you begin to see the breakdown of Jeff Jarrett and Tennessee Lee as he would slowly shift towards the services of Southern justice before winding up back with Deborah in October of that year, if I am not mistaken. The real stars of this show, Pacific Blue. The stars of Pacific Blue are in the crowd as this show was the lead-in to Pacific Blue on USA. Baywatch on bikes, police officers riding bicycles on the beach. There you go. That's Pac Blue for you which includes Mario Lopez, so A.C. Slater in the house. Triple H, China, and X-Pac are all chatting backstage as we head to break. They come out to the ring afterwards. Jerry Lawler interviews them after Hunter asks if we're ready to suck it. The crowd, they're ready to suck it. Tomorrow night, they've got a match for a shot at the Intercontinental title, which is held by The Rock for SummerSlam Highway to Hell. So it'll be X-Pac versus Hunter. So they're going to do DX versus DX, which which they did in December of 97. And they did the finger poke of doom, essentially, with Sean just laying down for Hunter. This would not go that that direction, as they actually did have a match, which Hunter would win and get the shot against The Rock at SummerSlam.
1: I want to try to conduct a little interview, but before I ask any questions, I know, Triple H, you got something you want to say to everybody.
0: You know
2: I do, are you ready? I think they're ready, JR. No, I said, are you ready? (laughs) Then for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching at home, and for one old wrestler in an old Liberace outfit, <laughs> let's get rid of
1: sucker! Hey, I'm in college. The fat guy in a black hat. So what the hell?
3: <laughs> I love these guys.
1: All right. Now, let me let me ask you about tomorrow night, X-Pac. Vince McMahon has ordered a match. He's ordered a match between you and Triple H. And the winner of that match is gonna get an Intercontinental title match at SummerSlam. Now isn't that gonna drive the final stake into DX?
2: King, it's kinda like this and I think you know already, Triple H and XPAC are nothing but pros. We're gonna go out tomorrow night on Raw, and we're gonna rip it up. And then afterwards, we're gonna shake hands. And Vince McMahon, in case you don't remember the two words, we'll give it to you again,
1: suck it! That wasn't very nice. I about
3: you know, there, you know. That's why I said it wasn't In case very you nice. haven't
2: been paying attention, King from the very beginning of Degeneration X. When myself, the ninth wonder of the world, and the Heartbreak Kid formed. <laughs> formed this union called Degeneration X. Vince McMahon couldn't stand it, could he? No, because. We did exactly what we wanted. We said what we want. We kicked whose ass we wanted to. We showed our ass when we wanted to. (laughs) But the bottom line is we were the most titillating sections of this show every week. And when I say titillating, I think you know what I mean. Who's got the goods? Cause uh, we, we go. got the time.
1: Here we go, Jr. Are we gonna are we gonna have a right little, little fan appreciation. You and the black. Well, you never know. Come on. With DX.
0: I was too distracted though by Hunter's sunglasses here. Uh, from this awful promo as he was wearing oval-shaped orange sunglasses. Then Hunter goes looking for someone in the audience to show their boobs. He finds someone. She shakes her head no at first, and then eggs on the crowd, Hunter does, to do it. She shakes it off again, and then finally, she gives the people what they want, and she flashes them. And then some other lady in the crowd does it as well. I believe the first lady was... Definitely a plant. The second lady was probably just intoxicated. So that is the... For 12-year-old and 13-year-old boys watching wrestling, this was the highlight of the show. It's censored, of course. Austin is shown drinking beer backstage, looking very bored before they go to break. It's time for a Draws' World segment. Yes, they did real world. MTV's real world parodies here with Draws where we get to know Draws. Puke, damn it, puke. Featuring some comments from Tom Pritchard and Mark Henry about how Draws puked at training or something. And then finally, the final shot of this wonderful promo about Draws was a shot of Draws's ass where he has a tattoo of a dog on his ass.
3: This is the story of one man, his wild pets, a couple of tattoos, and puke. It's Droz's world.
1: One day, actually, I was in training. Mark Henry had come in to work out. That was gross! Mark grabs my shirt
0: and blows his nose in. Oh, that's gross! I don't
1: think I'm going to have to put up with that. Tom Pritchard was actually refereeing at the time. I heard the gurgling sounds coming up from Darren's stomach. I feel like one or two he's. Mark had no idea. I just kind of had little chunks in it too, you know, like beans and corn. He
3: puked on his hand.
1: I don't think I've ever seen Mark Henry move that fast for his life.
3: Next time on Draws's World. I got a lot of heat for that, but I have a dog on my
0: ass. The Headbangers and Draws come out next, and this combination actually makes sense to me, and I'm surprised they didn't stick them together instead of moving Draws to LOD 2000. It really makes no sense because the headbangers, uh, maybe due to uh, the injury that one of the headbangers had, and then, of course, uh, beaver cleavage, uh, that whole thing. So maybe that's why this uh, trio didn't stick together. But I thought their gimmicks make sense to be together. They live alternative lifestyles. So I thought that that would have been fine to keep going, but didn't happen. They're going to face Kai and tai. Last week Kind Tai vowed to cut Val Venus's PP off. Yes, they were going to cut his dick off after Val started mingling around with Yamaguchi-san's wife. So, Val Venus's music hits and he comes out for this match, but he's not going to wrestle, he's going to stand at the top of the stage and sort of just hug Yamaguchi-san's wife. Yes, so we have a cuck angle here in 1998 as we do in 2019 with Rusev, Lana, and Bobby Lashley. So the more things change, the more things stay the same. The camera cuts between Val and the girl and the match, so I really can't keep up with the action. He goes to break mid-match, which was a big no-no during Raw. Raw would rarely ever take breaks mid-match because of the competition from Nitro, but Sunday night they're unopposed. Who cares? It's pre-taped. Whatever. Draws, cleans house on Kiantai. Kiantai all get thrown into each other. Draws, hits a sit-out powerbomb and wins the match. Val then comes to the ring and we think, oh, he's going to get into the face of Kiantai. No. He gets into the face of the Pacific Blue Stars and Mario Lopez wants a handshake but gets pie-faced from Val Venus. Mario Lopez, a fan then, breaks the law, jumps the guardrail, and double-legs Val Venus. Yes, your WWE superstar was one-upped by an actor. Yes, A.C. Slater got the upper hand on Val Venus. Amy Hunter Cornelius was also with Mr. A.C. Slater, and she was very confused by all of this as we go to a recap. Of the WWF fully loaded bikini battle, where of course Sable took on Jacqueline and she won the night with her painted boobs. Yes, she had hands painted on her boobs, body paint. And they recap this and they censor Sable's handprints, even though they were, it was body paint. There's really no reason to censor body paint, but whatever. I guess it was to make you think that. Something. If you didn't order the show, it'd make you think that she actually got topless. But then, on Raw the next night, Jerry Lawler announced that because Sable's bikini didn't count as a bikini, because there was no top, she didn't win the match. She didn't win the bikini contest, so Jacqueline won it, so they dusty finished a bikini contest. It's true. Sable's not very happy about this. And then Mr. McMahon comes down and sexually harasses Sable on Raw and says, I mean, the only reason you're hired is because cause of me. And, I, you know, I get what I want. And Mr. McMahon doing pervy stuff. And Stone Cold Sable shoots him two birds and then strips down to a string bikini. Because, of course, that's what you do when you're mad. I mean, when I'm mad, I shoot you two middle fingers and then I strip down to a string bikini. It just happens. Next match on the night, D'Lo Brown is out to defend the European title. He's taking on Ken Shamrock. Fresh off his dungeon match loss to Owen Hart, he gets a title shot against the European champion. So doesn't make a lot of sense, but whatever. Mark Henry decks Shamrock with a clothesline behind the ref's back. Steve Blackman and Dan Severn then come down to watch the match and have Shamrock's back. Or so we think. Shamrock belly to bellies D'Lo, but Shamrock sells it for some reason. Shamrock hurricanes D'Lo right out of the ring. Then Severn, for no reason, runs in to beat up D'Lo right in front of the ref. Ding, 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 DQ. Costs Shamrock the title. Shamrock wants it Severn, but Blackman restrains him. A feud which would never culminate in the WWF. Shamrock then throws a fit after the match by slamming some chairs. And yelling and being angry. As we go to break, Paul Bearer cuts a promo as he leads Mankind and Kane to the ring. The winner will get a shot at Austin and Taker's tag team titles. Yes, going into SummerSlam at least a couple weeks before they were tag champs. The dysfunctional champions, which in 2019 we just had with Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. Here we go again. Dysfunctional champions that are facing each other at a pay-per-view. Shanna Mokler interviews Bart Gunn when we return, and he's just billed as Lefty. That's what his lower third says. After his brawl-for-all knockout of Doctor Death, Steve Williams, and he just says, "I uh, landed a good uh, left hook."
3: Now on my show, Pacific Blue, we get really physical. But last Monday on Raw's Wire, you got extremely physical with Doctor Death.
1: That Bart throws a hard left when it lands right on the side of your head or on your ear. Mark and scramble your brains with that left hand, there's no doubt
3: about it. Well, you know anything can happen in the WWF, in the brawl for all. You know, I got all the respect in the world for Dr. Death, but we just went toe-to-toe, and at the end, I caught him with a good left hook. Oh, big six-five!
1: He's throwing him! He's right, Dr. Death is shaking. Oh, he's gonna go! The big left hand, the big left hand by Bar Gunn caught the doctor! Why, well, do you think you could show me some of your moves?
2: Why,
0: sure.
1: Ooh.
0: Pacific Blue is coming up next. Uh, Mrs. Mokler here would go on to marry Travis Barker and have a very uh, tumultuous relationship with him. But even to this day, she in, was making news in 2019 about how she could still fit into her Miss USA bikini uh, from back in the day. She was also a playmate uh, of the month. She was also on Pacific Blue. That's why she was on this show. So there you go. That's Shanna Mokler or Shana Mokler. I'm not really sure. Steve Austin is still backstage drinking beer. So he's just getting progressively drunker as this night goes on as he has no match. So why does he even have to be here? We're not sure. Kane and Mankind come out with Uncle Paul. The Rock and Owen Hart from their Nation of Domination days are their opponent. Tonight, the USA Network presents Pacific Blue... Silk Stockings, and then my personal favorite from the Attitude Era, La Femme Nikita, all coming up next, right here on USA. Stick around. Owen starts with Mankind. Mankind works his arm before Owen slips out, but Mankind cuts him down with a lariat. Owen tags out. Kane chokes Rock in the corner and clotheslines him. Nugget chance for Owen as Rock hits his float over DDT on Kane and takes him out of the ring. Kane hits his flying clothesline as they go to break. Owen misses a spinning heel kick to Mankind, and Mick hits the double arm DDT, but Kane tags in. Choke throw to Owen, followed by a big boot by Kane. Owen lands the Enziguri and a missile drop kick to Kane for two. But then Kane responds with a choke slam. He goes for a tombstone. Rock stops it. Everyone gets out of the ring and starts brawling. The 10 count is on. Owen Hart then slips in the ring right before the count of 10. So Owen and Rock will get a shot at the tag team titles against Undertaker and Austin on Raw. So an actual tag team, an actual faction, are going to take on the dysfunctional champions on Raw. Of course they'll win. They didn't know Undertaker and Austin would retain for another week before dropping the titles to Mankind and Kane. Austin gets interviewed by Cole, and he just says someone's getting their ass beat come Raw, whether it's Rock or Owen or even The Undertaker. So Stone Cold, now we know your opponents for tomorrow night, but first I'd like to take you back to last Monday night. You tossed the Undertaker a beer in the ring and he drank it. Is this a show of solidarity, a show of
3: teamwork? Well, it showed us up was thirsty. Look thirsty, so I tossed him a beer. Don't mean nothing other than that to me. I threw him a damn beer and he drank it. That's all it was. Well,
0: that leads me to my next question, which is he drank the beer and then he may have seemed to conveniently turn his back and you were attacked
3: by Kane. Well, it was stupid of me to drop my guard and Kane Shang had me from behind. But then again, by the same token, Undertaker didn't lift a damn finger to help me out none. Not that I needed his help, but you damn right. No, he didn't help me, so maybe there's something going on there.
0: Are you saying that you and The Undertaker aren't any closer than you were three weeks ago as you go into your tag team title match tomorrow night against The Rock and Owen? You're a lot
3: smarter than I thought you were, Jack. As Undertaker and me are just a team, but nothing further than that. As far as going against The Rock and Owen Hart, I got all the respect in the world for those guys as a tag team. But you can rest assured, when the bell rings, someone's going to get their ass beat. And whether it's Soraki and Owen Hart or it's the Undertaker, it really doesn't make a damn to me. We're still going to be the tag team champions, whether I like it or not, when the match is over. And that's all I got to say to you, because you're starting to me off.
0: And there you go. And our final words as we go out on this historic edition of Sunday Night Heat from Shane McMahon is, Come on, ladies, we're out of here.
3: Come on, ladies. We are out of here.
0: So there you go. That is Sunday Night Heat. That's how it all started. The Attitude Era's original B-Show, Sunday Night Heat. I thought for a B-Show, it was fine. It did advance some storylines a little bit. It gave you just enough to not be totally useless like WCW Thunder. Uh, WCW Thunder was... Just garbage from day one. And I thought Heat was better. Uh, Smackdown would supersede it, of course, later on a year later. And uh, Heat became nothing. But for a B-show, I did think this was appointment viewing. Wrestling was hot. The, the summer of 1998 was the hottest time in pro wrestling. Um, not just, no pun intended, because of SummerSlam and stuff. Or the highway to hell. It was just the hottest time in pro wrestling, so this was appointment television, and it also did a great job of establishing Shane McMahon's character. And so, basically, I'm going to give the show a a thumbs up. I'm not going to rate it on a scale or anything, but I'm going to give it a thumbs up because it accomplished its goal of establishing who Shane McMahon was on commentary. And I didn't think he did a bad job here, but he's a cocky heel... He's young, he's got a lot of money, he's spoiled, he's Vince McMahon's son, so that automatically makes him a heel, but then this character development of Shane would continue. He would even be the voice in, uh, I think, Warzone or Attitude, I can't remember which one, but I thought he did a good job in that as well, and um, also it uh, established that, you know, you can watch this show on Sunday and not be bored. I was not bored. It's an easy watch. It's it's about forty five minutes with commercials, uh, without commercials, and so yeah, I'd say this was a, a great show for a while, especially on nights where they were going to have pay per views because uh, this would replace those old uh, preview channel shows where they would try to get you to to buy the show, the buy in, the the nineteen nineties version of today's buy-in for the aaw pay-per-views this was a much better pre-show than those because there was actually a couple of wrestling matches and a couple interviews and some things even carried over into the pay-per-view someone might get attacked there might be a stipulation changed and they could do it on sunday night heat so and of course that led to the amazing halftime heat at next year's super bowl the empty arena match which outside of the ending i thought was a pretty cool idea. But there you go. That is my review of Sunday Night Heat for the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Patrick will join me in a couple weeks, if not sooner. But until then, just expect shows like this, short shows, uh, about just something that I find interesting that I wanted to review. That's really all I can tell you. Sorry to all our listeners that I haven't been putting the show out on Thursday or Friday like I had been in the past. just been really busy. And uh, So you can always go to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. We have hundreds of episodes. I encourage you to go to the archives and check them out. And as always, go to Powerslam.tv, enter the promo code RETROWRESTLING, and get a month for free there. So that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex saying, as always, bingo, bingo. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? 5 99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.